0: Senate will come back Monday and stay in session through Thursday, while the House will come back into session Tuesday, technically, but not really, and stay in session through Friday. Last week on the House floor, they were in recess. Nothing happened. This week on the House floor, as I said, the House will return on Tuesday and will take up five bills under suspension of the rules. But any recorded votes requested will be postponed until Wednesday, which is another way of saying they're not really going to be in session until Wednesday. On Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, the House will consider another eight bills on the suspension calendar. In addition, the House is scheduled to consider H.R. 2339, the Protecting American Lungs and Reversing the Youth Tobacco Epidemic Act of 2019. Last week on the Senate floor, they too were in recess. Nothing happened. This week on the Senate floor, the Senate will convene at 3 o'clock tomorrow. And Wisconsin Democrat Senator Tammy Baldwin will deliver Washington's farewell address. Following the farewell address, the Senate will resume consideration of Robert Anthony Malloy to be a judge for the District Court of the Virgin Islands. At 5.30 p.m., the Senate will move to a roll call vote on cloture for the nomination of Robert Anthony Malloy to be a judge for the District Court of the Virgin Islands for a term of 10 years. Based on the Majority Leader's cloture filings, I would then predict the rest of the week in the Senate will be spent dealing with the following nominations and legislation. Sylvia Carreno-Cole to be a United States District Judge for the District of Puerto Rico. Then a motion to proceed to S-3275, the Pain-Capable Unborn Child Act, which would make illegal the abortion of a fetus 20 weeks old or older. Then a motion to proceed to S311, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, which would establish requirements for the degree of care a health care practitioner must exercise, quote, in the event a child is born alive following an abortion or attempted abortion, unquote. Then Catherine McGregor to be Deputy Secretary of the Interior and then Travis Green to be a judge of the United States Tax Court for a term of 15 years. On the border security slash immigration front, speaking two weeks ago to the National Sheriff's Association 2020 Winter Legislative and Technology Conference in Washington, D.C., Attorney General Bill Barr announced that the Department of Justice would immediately file multiple lawsuits against so-called sanctuary jurisdictions for unconstitutionally interfering with federal immigration law enforcement. Quote, let us state the reality up front and as clearly as possible, Barr began. When we are talking about sanctuary cities, we are talking about policies that are designed to allow criminal aliens to escape. These policies are not about people who came to our country illegally, but have otherwise been peaceful and productive members of society. Their express purpose, is to shelter aliens whom local law enforcement has already arrested for other crimes. This is neither lawful nor sensible." Unquote. The Department of Justice filed suit against the state of New Jersey and King County in the state of Washington. The department had previously filed suits against California and New York. On another sanctuary jurisdiction front, Senator Tom Tillis and his North Carolina Republican colleague Ted Budd last summer introduced the Justice for Victims of Sanctuary Cities Act of 2019, which approaches the problem of sanctuary cities from a different angle. It creates a private right of civil action by a citizen who wants to sue a sanctuary jurisdiction for damages caused by an illegal immigrant who was released into the general public rather than turned over to federal authorities with a detainer request. There are 13 co-sponsors in the Senate, 29 in the House, and almost half of the co-sponsors in the House added their names to the bill after the President mentioned it in his State of the Union address three weeks ago. The House bill designation is H.R. 3964, and the Senate bill designation is S. 2059. Meanwhile, Politico reported last week that some in the Trump administration want to make up for not yet passing a larger comprehensive immigration reform effort by passing a smaller immigration reform effort. The problem is it looks like it would involve expanding temporary worker visas and increasing the number of immigrants allowed into the United States, contradicting the president's 2016 campaign promises to reduce the number of immigrants. And to make matters worse, some involved in talking about a potential deal are also talking about using the deal to come to some kind of compromise on amnesty for the so-called dreamers. Congressman Chip Roy of Texas sent a letter to Senate Judiciary Chairman Lindsey Graham warning him off such a deal. You can find that letter in this week's suggested reading. Now to the pardons front. On Tuesday of last week, President Trump exercised his constitutional, quote, power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, unquote, to grant clemency to 11 individuals, including former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich, former Wall Street guy Michael Milken, former San Francisco 49 owner Edward de Jr., and former NYPD Commissioner Bernie Carrick. In addition to the celebrity convicts, whose sentences were pardoned or commuted, there were three other female convicts whose sentences he commuted, Crystal Munoz, Tynice Nicole Hall, and Judith Negron, who came to the president's attention because of another former convict whose sentence he had committed earlier, Alice Marie Johnson. On the personnel front, a week and a half ago, a senior intelligence official briefed members of the House Intelligence Committee in a classified hearing, to the effect that Russia is again trying to interfere in the American presidential election on behalf of President Trump. The President learned about this after it happened from Intelligence Committee ranking member Devin Nunes. Not surprisingly, President Trump was not pleased to learn that his administration's intelligence community had come to a significant conclusion regarding Russian interference and had failed to inform him of that conclusion before informing lawmakers. The president's response to this information management snafu was to bring in a new head of the office of the director of national intelligence. He replaced Joe McGuire with current U.S. ambassador to Germany, Richard Grinnell, who will take the title acting director of national intelligence. McGuire's tenure as acting director of national intelligence was slated to end in mid-March anyway, so he only had a few weeks left in the position. Toward the end of the week, Trump floated a trial balloon. There was a leak. He was considering nominating Georgia Republican Congressman Doug Collins, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, who so strongly defended President Trump during the impeachment hearings, to the Post on a permanent basis. But Collins immediately knocked down the trial balloon, saying he was committed to his campaign for the U.S. Senate in Georgia. Now to Russia collusion fallout continuing still. Former Trump advisor Roger Stone, convicted on seven counts of lying to Congress and witness tampering, was sentenced to 40 months in a federal prison, right in the middle of the federal sentencing guidelines. But Judge Amy Berman Jackson stayed the incarceration order while she considers Stone's request for a new trial. A request based on a recent revelation about the rather obvious political bias of the jury forewoman who, after the trial ended, revealed that she had once been a Democratic candidate for Congress and who posted to social media accounts anti-Trump comments and anti-Stone comments. This means that as far as Russia, as far as the Russia collusion story prosecutions are concerned, we've only got one episode left to finish up. The sentencing for former National Security Advisor General Michael Flynn who has replaced his original set of lawyers with a lawyer who seems to actually want to defend her client. Now to the Bidens, in what may turn out to be one of the great ironies of the twenty twenty election season, now that former Vice President Joe Biden's electoral fortunes may have fallen so far so fast that there really is no need to disqualify him as a candidate for president, three Republican Senate Committee Chairmen are determined to investigate his and his son's dealings in Ukraine. Senate Finance Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee Chairman Ron Johnson, and Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham have been requesting documents from agencies and departments of the U.S. government since last fall and have committed to reviewing U.S. government actions toward Ukraine during the Obama years. Stay tuned. Joe Biden may soon be fading from the discussion about Democratic presidential prospects, but the investigations into his and his son's dealings with Ukraine may be just getting started. Now to 2020 Democrats. Bernie Sanders followed his wins in Iowa and New Hampshire with a decisive win in the Nevada caucuses yesterday. The next caucus will be in I'm sorry, the next contest will be in South Carolina on Saturday, February 29th. That's next Saturday. That's going to be the first Democratic delegate selection contest where African American voters make up a majority of likely voters in the primary. And former Vice President Joe Biden is counting on strong support from that community to keep his campaign alive with a win in the Palmetto State. But based on his showings in the first three delegate selection contests, there's a real question as to whether or not his campaign can go forward. Anyone who watched last Wednesday's Nevada Democratic debate was delighted by one of the most entertaining debates ever broadcast. It wasn't three minutes into the debate before Elizabeth Warren tore off Michael Bloomberg's head, and that was just the beginning. For the next two hours, everyone on stage was throwing haymakers as if they knew this was their last chance to change the course of the campaign's momentum. The problem was no one was throwing punches at the socialist frontrunner, Bernie Sanders. Everyone other than Senator Warren was trying to consolidate position as the anti-Bernie candidate and we know how that turns out. Who remembers Ted Cruz and John Kasich and Marco Rubio and Chris Christie and Jeb Bush and others all trying to establish themselves as the anti-Trump candidate, only to realize too late that was the wrong fight. The next Democratic debate is on Tuesday night. Look for Bloomberg to come out swinging directly at Bernie. If he doesn't lay a glove on Sanders, The rules of the Democratic nominating process are going to kick in, and Sanders is going to arrive in Milwaukee at their convention with an unstoppable bunch of delegates. And that's our Washington Report for this week.